It's well, a, this thing isn't going. I do have. It says I do have two hours and thirty six minutes. But it shouldn't uh, say that. It I, should say you're plugged in. I know. Why doesn't? Because it? uh, it's 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 a dick thing. Is that like the second or third dick you've been through? This is the. I brought this before. It worked really good. Then I decided to give it a rest and use the other one. It worked really good. Now the other ones get iffy, and I was going to change it with this one. But now this one's all, why are you, why are you getting like that? <laughs> you know what it seriously is? It's like, it's like they're thinking on their own. I was like, I, I don't want to work for a while. I'm just, My question yeah. is, why is it yours so small and mine is so big? Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds from the 70s with Gary and Rob, also known as a white Richard Roundtree. Shut your mouth. Um, I was I was just talking about Shaft. <laughs> wow. I had to do all the voices. You see, you people don't actually, I had to do all the voices. I had to, he's the cool, uh, see I was doing that guy, I was doing I the Isaac it. Hayes part about how he's a white Richard Roundtree. Then I had to do the girls part where they go, shut your mouth. And then I had to go and do, go back to the Isaac Hayes and goes, I'm just talking about Shaft. You, you were a whole recording studio. Oh, it was amazing. And nobody, I think, got it the first time. I think they were saying, like, what's he doing? Those fools. Yeah. We are coming to you from a place outside the city limits, but inside the town limits. See? We're outside the city limits. But inside the town limits, riddle me that, Batman. The town is separate from the city. Shut up. <laughs> Don't, get easy, easy <laughs> Don't get my riddle. Easy riddle. Don't get my riddle. And it's cold. It's, uh, oh, it's chilly. It's October, and uh, we don't have the heating system uh, in yet. We have an improvised heating system, which consists of a roll of toilet paper in butane. You just set it on fire. Burns for a while. We got a heater going. <laughs> we got a heater going. <laughs> we got a we got a what do you call it? A space heater. Space heater going for just for hopefully just for this week. And then uh, and then we're gonna get a heating system in the studio. Anyways, that's none of your business. But uh, if we had to do this whole show tonight, I'm starting to realize that if we did have to do this show in real cold. And without that space heater, it would be real cold. Yeah, we'd be quick. This time, real fast. Be right to the 30 room. minute show. Yep. Yep. I liked it. Me too. We'll have to do uh, this show more often. I liked it. Me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, this is the first show back after I was sick for two weeks uh, with a terrible flu. If you heard our last show, I was just coming down You're with it that down? day and I predicted it. I predicted <laughs> that I would be down and out by the next day and I was. So all of you have to mail me a dollar. And if you're in Europe, email me a euro. And if you're in Russia, email me a, a ruble. <laughs> you're in Mexico, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Your money's no good here. Um, yeah, Oompa, here it was. I had the bug, and then Oompa, next day, there it was. 
I beat the tar out of you for a while, and I said, okay, that's it, I'm leaving, I'll see you around. Oh, it beat the tar out of me very well. <laughs> it did a good job. It, if you're still recovering right now. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah, yeah, Rob can testify, those, uh, when I picked him up to go to the show today, I was still coughing. But uh, that's just lack of talking for two weeks. And once once I we started talking, and I got the coughing out of my system, it was like, it was good for my lungs because I was starting to talk again and yep. get fresh air. And anyways, Rob did not get sick for some reason. No, Rob does not have human blood. I only get my own disease. I don't get other people's. Disease. No, because you got you get alien diseases. Yeah, and that's mine. My disease. Same thing every time. Forty, fifty times. Forty, fifty times. Forty, fifty times a year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably only about two or three times a year now. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. But when you first arrived on this planet, it was about 40 or 50 times. Oh, I had not built up an immunity at all. It was War of the Worlds all over again. What's the ending of it? Mutant blood is what you have. Mutant blood. Okay, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. What's it for sale? Um, We start a new theme this week. And the theme, Rob, is what? Oh, the theme is... um, um, uh, musical acts that did cabaret. <laughs> I was going to say consume food on stage. But, uh... Musical acts that at one time did uh, cabaret act. <laughs> no, the theme. The theme. I love doing that. Seeing if Rob is paying attention. He's not. He doesn't care what the theme is. He just reviews the album, goes home, and yeah. uh, frets about his I life. I get told the information, but it don't sink in. Theme is debut albums, which is a this this is a, a regular thing we do every year, starting last year. Yeah. Uh, debut albums released 50 years ago in 1973. And we have some obvious choices in this theme, and we have some choices from left field, uh, which makes the next four weeks very interesting. We don't know what's going to happen. Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. But but it's going to be surprising for you and the audience because they're going to say, oh, I, we're going to look for some really uh, highfalutin acts. And they're going to say, who's that artist? I don't know that guy. I thought oh, it was going to be well-known debut albums. My Uncle Hector did a debut album in 73. Why isn't he on the show? Did he? Those kind of albums? Did he? No. Oh, you made that up. You lied out to our audience. That's very nice. Okay, this week... <laughs> We are featuring the debut album from Southern Rock Legends, Leonard Skinnerd, or as I pronounced it for about a good six months when I was <laughs> listening to them, Leonard Skynerd. Uh, and their album, which I didn't know that they had a debut album for a long time, because the first album I listened to from them, my brother bought, was Street Survivors, before they play an accident. Um... So I didn't know that this about this album for, I think, a couple of years after I, I found out about this band. Uh, their first album was called Pronounced Leonard Skinner, <laughs> which is actually one of the greatest uh, titled albums because nobody knows how the way that it's spelled, it how to it. pronounce it by looking at it, or they all pronounce it wrong. So it's a great title for the album. Uh, of course, it's from the year 1973. And we're excited. We're excited. Because they're Southern and they're rock. And they're rock. <laughs> Long live rock, people. 
I don't know if people get really pissed off because we do <laughs> shit like that. I just don't know. It's I don't us. get feedback on stuff like that. It's us. Uh, <laughs> you want to be someone else? You go be someone else. I'm going to be me. We can be us. If you if you want us to uh, be like the gardening show, we will, but we won't like it. <laughs> uh, speaking of being from left field, uh, Rob, how was your week? My week was a groovy series of remembrance. Who the fuck says groovy nowadays? And? (laughs) Says groovy. (laughs) Fuck. Somebody's somebody's going to turn in on that computer and think, oh, I love these podcasts from 1968. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice they let these hippies on the air. These hippies got stuff to say. Sorry, go ahead. You were doing something groovy? (laughs) Oh, now I lost my train of thought, and I don't remember what I did this week. I can tell you what I did last week. Last week I went uh, paragliding. That, that was been cool in France, and uh, paraglided all the way to the uh, France or the other France. No, the local France. <laughs> the local France. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the France that's just uh, uh, twenty miles away? Yeah, yeah. Oh. they built it near that new suburb of New York. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry about that, people. Uh, time for <laughs> I always have to apologize for Rob's part of the show. And I always have to make you apologize. <laughs> Otherwise, we're not doing our jobs. Odds and ends. Lost time is not found again. Now we're gonna have try and have a real quick odds and ends because we have a we have a segment today, so we have to be we gotta pile up a whole bunch of stuff and it doesn't oh boy. and it doesn't help that uh, I'm talking about it a whole lot, but we, we gotta pile up a whole bunch of stuff here. Uh, so real quick, odds and ends. Uh, I forgot to mention on our last show, I was mentioning our schedule, right? But I forgot to mention that our 200th episode will be, I think it's going to be in February. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be in January. I think it's going to be in February of next year. When it airs, is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. When it airs, it's going to be in February. Now, Rob has already confirmed that he will be drunk for that show and that I will kick his ass on the air. So you should listen to it. It'll be a very memorable 200th show. You'll see, you'll hear Rob drunk and you will also hear me kicking his ass. And I will be um, uh, so drunk, uh, I won't be able to do anything about it. I'll just, and then bam, bam. <laughs> bam, bam. Just like, like Batman. Boom. Uh, exactly like Batman, yes. And then <laughs> Rob will be saying, I hate you, man. You stink. And then at the end of the show, go, I'm I sorry, man. You. I love you. <laughs> Let's see if we can get to both emotional extremes. <laughs> It'll be a great Christmas. You people stay tuned and be tuned. <laughs> Yeah, that will be, hopefully, uh, I could actually work it out, but we've already changed the schedule a little bit because of this illness and whatever. So it's tentatively uh, late January, early February, 200th episode. It's going to be a lip smacking. By the way, in January is our fifth, an- can you believe that? It's our fifth anniversary of starting this show five years ago in 2019. And it'll be in January 2024. We don't celebrate that. We start. We celebrate by episode. But that's when we first put the show on the air. Anyways. Damn. Damn. Five years. Five years and 200 shows. Can you believe that? Wow. 
Nope. Uh, seriously, folks. <laughs> like, my dream was maybe, I don't know, 50 shows or so. I don't know what, what the dream was, but I had no way in my head that it would be 200 shows because... But it's you people because it's you people that listen every week and uh, and it's us because it's a lot of work and we have to show up in the cold and in the hot and uh, in the uncomfortable and sometimes not feeling well and and you also have to listen in the same way. <laughs> the show must go on. Uh, so uh, all the kudos to you people. You uh, you have. You continue to amaze us in your eclecticism of of what you listen to, and I'm glad that we just don't do popular albums uh, because you make us uh, do the hidden gems because you also listen to them. We're very, very proud of our audience. Sometimes I'm not proud because sometimes I think, oh, they'll listen to this one. And they completely, they just, we're not listening to that show. They did. Jules and the Polar Bears, our worst episode ever. And it's one of my favorite albums ever. <laughs> and uh, you people just didn't warm to it. You didn't warm to it like a like a polar bear should. <laughs> that was one of the first three episodes. Okay, we're getting overtime already. And we're 12 minutes into the show, 13 minutes or so. So I just wanted to also say in odds and ends, the Rolling Stones will be releasing a new album and maybe by the time this show airs, it will already be released. I don't know. I, I, I don't keep track of these things. All right? I just Me know. Neither. Yeah. I, it's, it's, yeah. Uh, and although it's, I, when I first heard the news from these 80-year-olds and almost 80-year-olds, I wasn't expecting very much. And I was a guy who used to wait and buy their albums from some oh, girls yeah. from some girls on when on the first out. day first day every album emotional rescue undercover of the night uh, all those albums i i waited uh anticipating it was there the fr- there were people lined up every time a ro- the rolling stones released an album it was big news Tattoo you, I remember. Uh, oh, wow. But uh, oh, not not a, not a, haven't been a big fan of the Stones for the last twenty or so years or thirty years. Uh, Do you find they're just regurgitating? Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. And uh, but I'm telling you, I must say that the songs that they have released so far, called "Angry" and "Sweet Sounds of Heaven," are excellent. They are actually top notch. I I was I was as surprised as could be. I wasn't expecting it to be bad, but I was expecting it to be like a lot of the stuff they've released in the last thirty or forty years, which is just kind of like, oh, that's nice, that's okay. But it wasn't. It was actually excellent. I was actually very moved by both songs. And I'm actually very excited now to hear the new album. I don't agree that the Stones should have continued without Charlie Watts, but that's not for me to decide. That's for the Stones to decide. The Stones always think more about the bottom end, which is money, (laughs) than they do about personal connections. You know that about Mick. You've known that for years. Yes, I've known that for 40 years, and I'm not not surprised. Uh, But uh, someday you just got to 
call her quits. But anyways, the songs, the songs that I've heard are fantastic. They are really fantastic. That's end of odds and ends for this week. Gotta kind of hurry through this one, which is today is part two of our look into the vaults at some of the records, some of the record albums here at Sounds from the 70s. Now, these are records that were left here when we moved into the new studio. Crazy. And what did you say? Yes. You said lazy? Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and they are, they are something else, I tell you. These albums, these albums defy categorization. But these are real albums. If you look on them at Discogs, they are actually there. And so uh, what I have to do, though, unfortunately, I have to go way down deep into the vaults to get the albums. <laughs> Rob, could you entertain the, the people while I'm going down the vault? No, I can't. I'm in the helicopter right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just, just climbing back from the vaults. Yeah, I got down there. There, I'm back in the studio. And I got the albums. And, oh, look at this one. Oh, two funny albums. <laughs> oh. <laughs> hey, wait a I second. That, uh, that title is almost plagiarized. Not quite. Why? The song, the album is called, says Super Songs 28 Super songs. Is that what you're reading? That's what I'm reading. Wacky weirdos. Okay. Now yeah. that that's that, the part I was reading. Two, and it says right underneath it, two funny albums. <laughs> <laughs> so you are guaranteed not just to laugh at one album. You are guaranteed to laugh at both albums. They're they're wacky weirdos. Now doesn't that sound like a like a band or, or something like that? Like a wacky that weirdos. That sounds like uh, someone who's trying to sell me something uh, that uh, they think is funny when they don't know what funny is. Wacky weirdos. <laughs> uh, we have the. Uh, I don't know if these are the original ones. This is what's the record label here? This is from a label that I have not heard of, Jukebox International. Let me see what the thing is. They don't even have a, a thing on the album to tell you uh, what record label this is. Bootleg. Well, I don't think you bootleg. You know, I think they probably weren't uh, weren't paying royalties <laughs> when they did it. You don't bootleg uh, two dollar like key tell albums. <laughs> <laughs> I'm under suspicion they weren't paying royalties on that. This uh, it does does say here, even though it's not on the record label, which is really strange. It says here, Jukebox International. Uh, I will give you a number here in case you want to look it up on Discogs. TVLP-74007. Uh, now, I don't even know if these are the original ones. Oh, it says right here. Okay. The Monster Mash and All Flying Saucer Selections. All Flying Saucer Selections. <laughs> <laughs> all songs called Flying Saucer. Uh, our, our original versions as recorded by Bobby, of course, the Boris Pickett, uh, and Dickie Goodwin, respectively. All other selections were newly recorded specifically uh. for them. So there's only like, uh, this makes it an extremely disappointing album. And these are just studio musicians uh, 
recording these songs. By the way, Dead Man's Curve is not a hilariously funny song by Janet. <laughs> as it as it yeah. eventually would detail how uh, it would uh, cripple Jan Barry. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's not funny. Interesting. But it's funny humor. how they can they find that humorous. Um, I don't I don't know how Surf City's hilarious. We're going to Surf City. Going to oh, have some. Oh, because surf music so, has passed as a uh, oh, musical Oh, so style. it's like that's funny that they're still playing. Isn't that, that funny music. surf music those guys are listening to? Don't they know nobody listens to that anymore? <laughs> I never heard this song. Juanita Banana? Maybe I have. Juanita Banana. Juanita Banana. You look like... A banana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And, of course, we remember the, uh, the old favorite Chirpy Chirpy uh, Cheap Cheap. Cheap, cheap. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't remember that. On top of spaghetti. <laughs> Wait a second. That's a campfire song. Oh, my God. Uh, oh, here's a song that should never have gotten on the radio. Seven little girls sitting in the back seat. Oh, yeah. That's, uh, that's jail term right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you're driving them to Girl Scouts or ballet class or whatever girls do. Your nose is going to grow. What the fuck kind of songs are these? I've never heard <laughs> half of these songs. Your nose is going to go. James, hold the ladder steady. Now that sounds like a great song. Uh, hey, James, intrigued. hold the ladder steady or else I'll fall. <laughs> I'm trying to look in the window while this gorgeous girl. <laughs> Let's put this one away. It doesn't sound like it's too kosher. No, and it doesn't microphone. seem thematically... Uh, Coherent. Kind of like your life. Kind of like my life. <laughs> what is this? Uh, uh, good Vibrations by Ronco. Oh, some good songs on here. Let me, let me. Oh, yeah. Let me let's let's get some good vibrations. I'm going to pull this one out. Do you mind if I pull it out? I kind of like the cover on that one, so whip it out. Right. <laughs> okay. It's got a, actually, it's got a pretty bad cover. Uh, it's uh, Good Vibrations. Uh... 20 original hits, uh, 20 original artists, see, as seen on TV by Ronco. Uh, Ronco this this was at one time owned by John and Karen. Oh. Yes. John and Karen, they split up. Did they? I imagine they did. It's How would they time. decide who got the good vibrations out? <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Karen got it and she mm. just uh, sold it uh, for cheap because she knew it uh, hurt the whatever his name was anyways uh <laughs> so that's what you look under look under good vibrations and discogs i will give you the number if you want it csps 661 stereo thank god in 1973 when this is released they were now releasing albums in stereo um you don't have to put that in. after 1969. You didn't have to put stereo <laughs> on there anymore. Um, great songs on here. This is a really good album. This is 20 songs. 22 songs. I apologize. There's some really good. I would buy this. Uh, you got I Can See Clearly Now by Johnny Nash. Uh, you've got Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. If you don't know me by now, sing it, Rob. You will never, never, never know me. It's a great song. We, uh, 
No, we didn't review that. We were we we reviewed a different album by Harold Melvin. Yes, I believe we did. It's a great song, no, with lead vocals by Teddy Pendergrass. Uh, Blood, sweat, and tears. Go down gambling. Oh, yeah. da, 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 da. You may never have to go. Yeah. Poco. I've never heard the song by Poco. Good feeling to know. Uh, not a big Poco fan, but we will be reviewing an album very soon. Very soon as in next year by Poco. The Hollies, of course, with Long Cool Woman, almost a staple of the 70s. Um, Sly and the Family Stone, thank you for letting me be myself you again. Don't, you don't hear that often enough nowadays. No, you don't. It's a great song. Uh, some really good, some some nice, you know what's all in here also? Some nice uh, minor hits, which you don't hear anymore, like... Uh, the Raiders, Country Rewind, the Raiders were, of course, uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders. Oh, really? And then right at the end of their career, they changed their name to the Raiders. And uh, still got some uh, hits, not as huge as the they did before, but uh, Raiders are always a good band. Albert Hammond, uh, Never Rains in Southern California. It's a really good album. <laughs> like, this is, uh, this is something you'd spend $3 at the most for. And you're talking about Oh King Harvest with uh, Oh Dancing in the Moonlight. Mm. You don't know that one? I don't like that one. Oh, you don't like that one? I like no this song. Yeah, I like that song. Uh, James Brown. I've never heard this. I love James Brown. Though. We love James Brown. But mm. I haven't heard this. Down now to New York City. Ha! <laughs> uh, That's what it sounds like to you. Oh, it's got Dead Skunk on here. It's going to uh, somebody the third. Loudon Wayne. Loudon Wayne, right the third. We will actually next year no. be reviewing a, a Loudon Wayne, right? For sure, for sure we will be because we are doing a new Dylan segment and I've already have that planned out. So we will be reviewing Loudon Wayne right next year. Uh, Monta Hoople, all the young dudes. Uh, wow, this is a great, great album. And uh, and it has, of course, the song which I think is one of the worst songs of the 70s, uh, Looking Glass with Brandy, you're a fine girl. What a good wife you would be. Yeah, but uh, you love the sea too much. You sea lover. Okay, let's do one more if I can find one here. Could you uh, entertain the audience while I look for the record? Hey, you, get out of that vault. Uh, Gary should never have left the door open. Uh, why don't you get out of there and go do something constructive and useful rather than going down the vault where we keep all our old records? Just talk to the audience. Hey, like, uh, audience, okay. uh, how's it going there, audience? <laughs> Man, you're like, you're like, wow. You know what you like? You're like, wow. Like a guy who's prepared for the show? Oh, I like this. What's this? Oh, that's a good one. Explosive hits. Oh, this is not the, oh, it's just the explosive hits. Okay, this will be our last one that we're going to do. Looks like original stars. This is uh, 20 explosive original hits, original stars. Oh, it's even got Michael Parks, the actor, on here. Um, no. This is uh, somebody, obviously decided to draw all over this uh, fucking album. I mean, this album. Oh, um, probably a small child. Probably a small child. Uh, which makes it hard reading this, other than it's distribu distributed by syndicated products. 
<laughs> I, I, oh, it's a key tell album. It's okay. a key tell album. Uh, I can't give you the number because it's kind of crossed out. But just look under 20 amazingly explosive hits. Amazingly explosive. <laughs> amazingly explosive. <laughs> uh, we got some nice uh, uh, Candida by Dawn. Uh, Candida. Uh, Tony Lando and Dawn. Is, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not getting into that one. There's Tony Lando and then there's Dawn and then there's Tony Lando and Dawn and I don't know. But he sang on this. So I think sometimes they recorded just as Dawn. Why would they do that? I don't know. I, I, I haven't done any research. I haven't been prepared to do research on it, so I can't tell you. Spill the Wine by Eric Burden and Wine. It's a mm. great song. Uh, the No Sugar Tonight by the Guess Who. Man, that's great. Uh, ooh, child. Things are going to get easier. Yeah, five, five Stair Steps. Great song. Uh, oh, I just, I've been hearing this song for like two years straight. I don't hear it now because they just eliminated the, <laughs> the artist. They, they eliminated the whole station and made it into a talk show station. But I've been hearing this song and I was wondering who did it. And I was too lazy to check. I've been hearing it in my vehicle constantly for two years. Uh, Steel River and the song, You Remind Me of a 10 pound note. Nope. You don't remember that song? No, no, that one. I, I've been hearing that song, and it's the guy sounds like Eric Burden, and it sounds like it could be like Eric Burden and the Animals, and I I think the line is, "You remind me of a ten pound note." <laughs> it's got the most fuck lyrics, <laughs> but it's very enchanting because it has fuck lyrics. So I, I kind of like it. Uh, American Woman by Guess Who. Guess Who twice on this twice. record. Twice. Uh, wow. They made a deal there. Oh, also Melanie, who I really don't like. You hate Melanie. Is on this album twice. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, the Jaggers and the rapper, or as we call it, the Raffer. The Raffer. Yeah, well, great song. They call him the Raffer. Yeah, great song. Great song. One of the great one-hit wonders ever. Um, don't know that song. Never heard of that song before. Literally, never heard of that song before. Oh, and it's got Edison Lighthouse with uh, "Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes." Yeah, terrible song, but it's fun to hear. You know where a song is not good, but it makes good just background music. Most people just know that one of uh, when Stephen Wright was uh, on uh, Reservoir Dogs. Here's uh, Edison Lighthouse. Love grows from my rosemary goes. Yeah, I think we talked about it too much already. <laughs> I love the derision. Okay, well, you know, we had fun, but we're kind of out of albums that are like Keytel Ronco albums. And we are short of time, so it's quick review. I don't know we're not short of time. Oh, okay. I'm just saying that uh, we're, we're uh, out of albums. We're out of albums that have the Keytel Ronco unless we find some more in the vaults. And it's creepy down there. So I don't know well, the next time I want to go down there and get I, those albums. I think we've covered them all. We've covered them all for a good year. <laughs> and then uh, we'll check down there next year. Yeah, they've got nothing new to teach us right now. <laughs> they got nothing new to teach us. Like they've taught us something. Um <laughs> Okay, our featured album today is by Lionard Skynard. I was going to try and trick that, but I thought people would get aggravated. It's probably still are. Uh, it's by Leonard Skinner, and it's their debut album from 1973 called Pronounced 
Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Um, now, I think this is rock folklore. Everybody knows like why they're called Leonard Skinner, right? Do I have to actually tell you why they're called Leonard Skinner? For two reasons. Now, first, the first reason was the reason I've heard ever since I was a kid, which is like 1977, was that they were named after their teacher, teacher. their high school teacher, who who was a real uh, tough, tough nut. But you have to imagine that he was old school teaching these new hippies as they were at the time, you know. And he was filled with hatred and anger and derision. And the kids are probably pretty Hippies. bad. Yeah. Uh, and his name was Leonard Skinnerd, uh, which in part also is a reference to a character named Leonard Skinner in Alan Sherman's novelty song, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. But I never heard that part of this story. All I ever heard was the band, for like 30, 40 years, all I ever heard was the band was named after Leonard Skinner. So, uh, and actually, uh, the suggestion was uh, made to name it after the teacher. So I think this other part uh, about was just coincidence that it was also part of the song. Uh, I don't think that had anything to I do. I bet you they were going to name it Leonard Skinner after the guy in the song. And they said, why don't I name it a high school guy? And they all laughed and said, good idea. Now... Pass me that joint. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how it went down. Now, the more distinctive spelling of Leonard Skinner, as, as you see it nowadays, was, of course, uh, so you don't think it's a person, and second, so you don't get sued because you use a oh, person's yeah. name. So, obviously, that's why it's, uh, it's spelled the way it is, like it's spelled Leonard Skinner, which was adopted as early as 1970. Now, these guys have been playing around Leonard Skinner in Florida, for a long time in various bands, um, in Jacksonville, Florida, to be to be uh, more specific, and there had been people leaving and people coming back, and uh, but the the first band, the band that recorded this album, the band that signed under the name of Leonard Skinnerd in 1972 was, of course, the great passed away actually they're all gone unfortunately very yeah, sad that's what i read is that uh, all of no the no one on the album cover is alive no one on no one who recorded this album except of course for the producer al cooper but i but mean in the, the band yeah. none of the musicians uh unfortunately from the original album are alive anymore uh in fact the only person who's ar- who's around from um any incarnations of Leonard Skinner until their plane crash and they, they expanded is uh, drummer Artemis Pyle. He's the only one. It's a very sad, very sad story, actually, of Leonard Skinner, of the tragedies that have happened. Of course, the big one being the plane crash, which I remember the day it happened. I, I, I was learning rock and roll at that time. But it was on the it was on the radio and it was on the it, I remember being on the news and and uh, you know I remember because my brother had bought Street Survivors very soon after it was released and it anybody who's bought that album in its first edition remembers that it had a pullout of a sheet of paper in red that showed all the concert dates 
And I remember reading that, so, oh, it's a lot of concert dates, like for the rest of 1977. And of course, they didn't get very far into it before that was it. Uh, I don't know how much that is worth nowadays, but I, I know that my brother never got rid of that album, as far as I know, at least for a long, long time. Uh, I, I like that album a lot, but we will not talk be talking about that album. We will not even be getting that far into this. But the original band who played on this album was Ronnie Van Zant, uh, the singer-songwriter. Uh, 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 Alan Collins, who played the uh, guitar. Uh, uh, Gary Rossington, who, who just passed away this last year, the last original band member. Uh, on guitar, uh, I like to say Robbie Burns, but that's not right. I'm sorry. Uh, Ed King, uh, who became uh, a guitar player in the early incarnations of Leonard Skinner, played bass on this album. Uh, Leon Wilkerson, who does play bass, for some reason decided just before recording the album he didn't want to be in the band anymore. They talked him after they recorded the album. They came and talked to him back into the band, and he never left until he died in uh, the late 90s or whatever. Uh, he stayed with the band forever. Strange, eh? Like you were with the band for so long before you signed. You signed, you don't record the first album, and then you're with the band forever afterwards. It's that little figure. Anyways, and uh, we have. Uh, Sorry, I don't have the first names here. That's that's why I don't I don't want to mess up anything. Is because they're all giving me last names, and I don't like that. If it were me, I'd just make first names up. Drummer Bob Here's Burns. Now, Zippy. drummer Bob Burns is interesting because he played on the first two albums as as drummer, and then it, the life life on the road was just not for him. And that's that's like me. It's like it's just like I want to play music and I I want to record, but. Some people yeah, are just are, are made to travel and, around yeah. and do that stuff, and uh, some people aren't. And Bob Burns was not, and he got out of it and was pretty much not heard from again. He did accept, he did come up and accept before he died uh, their Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction, and then again he kind of disappeared. He wanted to live kind of like what I would do, just a very quiet life, and uh, so he got out after the the second album. And uh, what was I going to say, Rob? Oh, the uh, the guy. piano player. Yeah. Looking for his first old, name. Uh, I know, I know. I, dinky. I, uh, dinky. <laughs> no, his name wasn't Dinky. We're not here to make fun of people, Rob. Well, if it were me, I'd just make the names up. I'd uh, Zippy and Nosh, and uh, you can't. He, he doesn't have a name. Well, I, it's it's it's, no it's, it's I'm 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 actually very embarrassed because Billy Powell. I know Billy Powell, not personally, but uh, I remember them talking to Billy Powell like right after the crash, after they got found, and he was just like all cut up, and he's gone too. I can't believe that in 50 years they're all gone. It's just it's just unbelievable. But uh, anyways, that was the band that recorded this album. It's very strange. A lot of people think that this band has always had three guitar players. This album does not. This album only has Alan Collins and Gary Rossington with occasional help from Ed King on guitar. And, um, and Freebird is just done by two 
by two guitars and it's overdubbed uh which i didn't know until i read about this a very very interesting anyways they got signed oh and ed ed, ed king who played bass on this album and then played guitar he was the one who came up with the uh with the uh sweet home alabama for their next album He's the one that came up with a dun, 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 with that lick and and everything about it. He was actually in the Strawberry Alarm Clock, which is about as far away from Leonard Skinner as you could get. Um. Anyways, they recorded this album in 1973, and they had made demos and and stuff of these these songs go back. These songs go back a long time. Uh, the album was produced, and pretty much the guy that that found them and said, you know, this this band has to be signed. Is the great Al Cooper. Everybody knows Al Cooper from played the organ on Like a Rolling Stone and everything, and formed Blood, Sweat, and Tears, blah blah blah. And he does an amazing job of producing this record. Now, one of the things, sorry, about this record. Before we talk about the quality of it, is that would that be a good word, Rob? The quality of the record? Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay, I promised I wasn't going to do that. Yes, that would be a good word to use. Thank you. Um, is that well, before they went into the studio? Now we tried this when we did our first record, but. We made one little mistake, and that was we, we practiced and practiced the songs that we were going to record. And what we should have done in retrospect, we were just kids, though. Oh, my God, we were young. And uh, we did them just as basic bed tracks. So bed tracks mean no vocals. What we should have done is recorded it with the vocals as dummy tracks. Oh, yeah. And then it would have been much easier and we would have had a feel for the songs. And then you can erase the dummy track and then... Put in your good vocal. And then put your, it was actually my brother's idea because my brother, who had already recorded two albums, said, oh, when you go in, you got to record them instrumentally as bed tracks. And that was not good information because we do much better when we record the yeah. songs with vocals. We've heard a lot of stuff over the years from other people about what you gotta do in the studio. Yeah, and you just gotta do what's right for you. You just yes. what recording bed tracks was perfect for my brother's band. They're perfect for a lot of bands. They were not good for us, and uh, it took away a lot of energy from our music, unfortunately. But yeah. we didn't know we were just kids, anyways. That's what Leonard Skinner did. Leonard Skinner practiced and practiced and practiced these songs before they went in the studio to the point where every note of every part of every song uh, had its place. And That's anything that was that I was that, they did that not different deviate from what they'd practiced. Right. You could not deviate. And that also blows my mind, too. Um, it kind of it partially chills me, but I respect it somehow. Uh, you know what? I, I totally agree with what Rob says. Because you know what? First off, this, this album has the distinction of sounding like it's the second or... No, it sounds like the third album by a band. Yeah. And that's because of what they did. 
of practicing this album in in infinitum until you know nothing was nothing was you couldn't play one note that was different from what they had <laughs> practiced but it also sounds unbelievably fresh and how they did that yeah, I don't I, know I can't even explain that I always equated them with a band that uh, was very loose and free and jammed a lot and uh, you know I have not heard any of their live stuff so I can't uh, fully judge on that but to practice to the point to where you have this one version and going to record it Ooh, ah. Now you would think it'd be stale, but none yeah. of this none of this album stale. I think with, stale. with lesser songs, songs that uh, were a little bit less. No, that's not true. No, um, I can't finish my thoughts there. I. Uh, it's no, amazing. It blows my mind. I, you know, it 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 is so going against the grain that me and Rob can't even process it. Yep. Because I'm, I swear, any band that works on an album so hard will make it sound stale, and they don't. I don't know how they do it. I don't yeah. know. I really don't. But they have the distinction of, like I say, sounding like it's their third album and they're professional musicians, and yet it sounds fresh, like they just came up with it <laughs> that day. Hey, I got a song. Let's do it. Amazing. You know, the other thing I heard about that uh, was weird that struck me about uh, Leonard Skinner is uh, the lead singer, Ronnie Van Zandt. I heard he never wrote his lyrics down. Well, well, I, I never heard, heard that. He um, um, uh, did, did said that uh, if uh, you couldn't remember them, they weren't uh, worth... Uh, oh, I remember that them. statement. I remember that statement. I wish I could remember the statement he made. Uh, and I hope somebody... Uh, it's, one of the mo- it's one of the most ironic and moving statements I've ever heard. Ronnie Van Zant was almost a street poet. And you can tell by the lyrics on this album, he was, first of all, he sings differently than anybody that, that you can imagine. He sings really good, like he sings really great, but in his own way, I, I don't know how to describe it. He has a rawness to him. He has a rawness to it, but is, a greatness to it. It's not actual rawness, it just right. feels like that. It just feels like that. And it has this, street poetics this kind of uh philosophical uh way of thinking he was a very for a guy who was a real tough southern dude and he ruled this band really tough but you know everybody loved him it's like that the guys who are who you know the sergeant who's really tough on his battalion oh, yeah. but they would also die for him you know yeah. uh that kind Further of is, respect yeah. yeah that's kind of what uh ronnie van Zant was like and but he what i was getting at is is his language is very like um it's kind of like teaching you a a, a life lesson it's kind of like listening to a guy on the porch telling you about son come here i got something to tell you that's what more, all of his songs sound like to me it's like let me tell you this son, the son about you know uh it takes a simple man that's all you want to be in life you know it's, it's it's just it's just these almost lessons that he he sings uh uh which uh you really get on this album. I mean, you get on all the albums. I remember in Streets of Ivers, I remember, you know, you got that right. You know, the way he sings, it's like, yeah. You know, he sings in an authority, but he also sings like he's 100% right and you better believe him. And I remember listening to that album and just going like, 
yeah, like if Ronnie Van Zant says you got that right, well then you got that right, <laughs> or that smell or anything like that. You go, oh, you know, like he had an authority to him that made him almost, uh, like I said, a, an intellectual wise person, but but more of a wise from life, for even for such a young guy, yeah. wise from life person who's trying to give you advice uh, if you'll if you're smart enough to listen. And that's why he was so missed when he died, is because he had this wisdom that people that young age just don't have. It's just something that for some reason uh, some people get or are blessed with. Now, uh, as we get to the album, more specifically, was I going to get to the album? I think I should because we're I getting close getting to the, the end of the well. album. We're getting close to the end of the show. We gotta we gotta really kind of. Speed this up a little bit. Uh, I love this up. I, I just think this this is actually the first time. I I, I know it's kind of shameful because I've heard a lot of Leonard Skinner albums, but I've never heard the first one. And one of the reasons I've never heard pronounced Leonard Skinner is because half of these songs get played <laughs> on the radio all the time. I had a horrible time trying to listen to this album and review it because <laughs> after about the fourth or fifth time I just stopped listening to the radio songs and just played the non-radio songs because yeah. that was new to me the other stuff uh, I was very familiar with yes <laughs> un unfortunately unfortunately the 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 album is eight songs long and four of them are played infinitum on on the radio on, yeah, on, on radio the, either am or fm Freebird is pretty much a, a musical standard. And Freebird is a musical standard, as everybody knows. I've gotten in trouble many times for yelling out Freebird. <laughs> I am actually heard on a tape. I actually, this is a true story. Uh, Neil Young came by here, I don't know, 10 years or so, 13 years ago, to play in our fair city. And there's a band called Everest that opened for him. And I didn't, I, Everest was good, but they were kind of pissing people off for some reason there. They kind of had this rock star attitude up there and they were the opening act. And um, it was me and this guy. And I'm telling you, and he's playing in front, this is like 15,000 people there, right? And we're, me and this, I'm, I'm with my friends, but there's this guy kind of like beside me who I don't know. And we're in like, I don't know, the eighth row, I think, on the, on, the, on the floor. So we got these great seats. And the guy from Everest started, and this is recorded on a bootleg. This is recorded on a tape that, that the guy not only recorded the Neil Young set, but recorded the Everest set. And right in the middle of the set, I don't know, this, this, this pompous guy from Everest started to talk. And, and all of a sudden, at the same time, I swear <laughs> to God, I don't know who said it first, but me and this guy just started yelling, Free Bird! Free Bird! <laughs> and you could hear it on this tape. It is available, I think, on a bootleg someplace. And they and we just looked at each other and then we high-fived each other. <laughs> like, yeah, play Free Bird instead of this, this music that you're playing. And they, and they threatened to walk off. They could not take a joke. And that was even worse than what we had experienced with the set because it was like, really? You just can't take a joke? Like, I know it's not a very original or smart joke, 
but we're kind of upset here like stop yipping and just play your music you're acting like you're such big shots like just play the music and they said well we're going to leave if you guys stop, don't stop uh, talking Freebird and then we went yeah leave <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's actually captured all on tape <laughs> so that's my Freebird story uh, now I'm really behind because I told that story Rob I think this uh, I love this album I really think this is a classic album I uh, even with songs that I've heard before it's nice to hear them in an album setting um, I got almost nothing bad to say about this record I think the first side kicks ass it's one of the best debut first sides I've ever heard on a record starts with I Ain't The One and then uh it's got Tuesday's, uh, gone. Tuesday's Gone yeah, with the Wind, which is just a beautiful song. And then it's got it's got a great song because these are tough guys from Jacksonville, Florida. And I always thought Give Me Three Steps was about like not really listening too hard to the song because it was always on the radio oh, yeah, yeah. and always thinking like Give Me Three Steps so I'm going to hit you. It's It actually puts them in a puts Ronnie Van Zandt in not a tough guy role, which he always is, puts him in a, give me three steps so I can get the hell out of here. I don't want to get beat up. <laughs> yeah, I found it to be a very uh, realistic response to it. It's a, a very <laughs> realistic response. A situation like and that. And it's a very mm -hmm. unsouthern mm -hmm. rock way of looking at it because everything was so macho, especially in 1973, the early yeah, 70s. more realistic in that, you know, someone yeah. puts a gun at you and you don't have one. <sighs> That's why people love Leonard Skinner so much. Uh, to be to put themselves in that weak position, which was not was just not popular at that time, made them even endear themselves to fans anymore. And it's a great song. Give me a three steps. Give me a three steps. Missed. Uh, what a great song. Very catchy. Yeah. Uh, just a great song. And of course, there's the philosophy song, which I just love, and because it's true, everything that's said about this simple man is true in this song, and it is. He tells it from the story of his mom telling it, but it could be your dad, it could be your uncle saying, you know, uh, be a simple man. Don't, don't, don't let ego get in the way of, of, of what you want to do. It's not what you get, it's the person you are. And uh, so the first side was just, to me, was just like killer. And it sounded like, like I said, like a band that's uh, recording their third album and is really confident and self-assured that it's not. It's their first album, but they sound so cocksure. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's are, absolutely amazing, Rahab. All that practicing, they are really tight. They are. They are as wow. tight as a as a first album that I've ever heard. I'm serious. Yeah. They are as tight as any band or artist I've ever it heard on a first record. It does show that the uh, the years of playing together that uh, like that's and the, the years thing. of playing years playing before that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. These guys know each other musically and uh, and. They've gotten very good at what they do and how to play together. Yes, I totally agree. Uh, we got the second side. It's just not as strong because the first side is just so devastating. But Things Going On is a, is a really, really cool song. Again, it, it's one of those lesson songs where, like, you I know... Was, I was trying to think of what the style is. The closest thing I could come to is kind of maybe country blues. But the best way I could describe the actual musical feel of it is it has a stomp to it. <laughs> mm -hmm. It has a stomp. That's right. That's with Mississippi Kid, which is just a uh, guitar and blues and Ronnie Van Zandt singing, and it's great. It's also 
very catchy. All their songs are very catchy, yeah. no matter what style they try and, and put I, it in. I also found in uh, all the songs I hadn't heard before, the four... Uh, the musicianship is just incredible. It's well, fantastic. it's just, it's staggering because they've worked everything out for so long and yet it sounds fresh. It sounds like when Alan Powell takes a uh, 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 a piano solo and I remember in Poison Whiskey, which I'm going to talk about in a second, he does it twice and it, it, it just sounds like I'm, I'm going to take a solo now and yet it's probably been re relegated a hundred times before and yet it sounds as if he just said solo my turn solo okay yeah. da, 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 da. how can they make it sound <laughs> fresh after doing it that much that's the mystery of this record it really is a mystery of this record uh and it what it's it's what makes it so powerful by the way i don't know if you remember but for so long, I'm listening to Poison Whiskey, which is a great, again, there's no bad songs on this record. It's killer from start to, to finish. Poison Whiskey starts out, and I'm going, what does this song start out like? <laughs> it sounds identical. That, yeah, there was a, that one starting. It started in about uh, three or four bars later, it switched, and I couldn't quite put my Right, and then on it the switches song. kind of into Poison Whiskey. Yeah. It took me a while. What the hell is that and song? And I did. <laughs> we were just talking about the band on the last show. The James Gang. Funk number 49. Oh, yeah. Funk number 49. Yeah, and it sounds... I'm telling you people, listen to that. If you haven't listened to it before, listen to Poison Whiskey. And I'm telling you, it's almost like they took the beginning of the James Gang song and put it on. It sounds that familiar. It has the same guitar sound and everything. And it's... Uh, it screwed me up a couple times because I just didn't want to look it up or anything. I wanted to get it, you know. Uh, I didn't want to. I could easily could have maybe put it on the uh, Google and said, what does Poison Whiskey by Leonard Skinner sound like at the beginning? Might have given me an answer right away. But I didn't want to do that. <laughs> no, because it. It, it haunts you. It's like it haunts a, you. But I did get it. I you you have to crack it. it yourself because you know you can. Exactly. Great song. And, of course, Freebird. Uh, the great story about Freebird uh, that I like is the reason it's so long is because they used to play three sets a night. And, and that was the one they'd use to stretch out a set? That's the one they would yeah. use to stretch out a set and give Ronnie Van Zant time to relax and have something to drink. Uh, and just, just to relax, like a drum solo would do at the old concerts in the 70s. And uh, that's why... There's that the end guitar solo so keeps on going and going and going, and it's just amazing that the guitar solo is overdubbed because every like I said I think everybody thinks there's three guitars playing there is but there's only two guitar players <laughs> and they're overdubbing from now on for every landscape there would actually be three guitar players not on this album um, again you don't get better words. You don't get better, yeah. you know. Uh, the neat thing in that song, musically, I that caught me this time listening to it, which I should have heard on the radio, but never really noticed. I mean, I did hear, but never noticed. It was uh, that it, it gradually speeds up at the beginning of that solo there. Uh, yeah, it does. Board, very slowly speeds up, but uh, there are little tempo. there are little intricacies in that song, like you just mentioned. Uh, there's also like uh, the you th you think this song's going to stay in the same key, and then all of a sudden it doesn't. Uh, it kind of switches at a moment which you don't think it's going to switch and uh, there's just little it's just it's just uh, it's a song that never sounds bad 
Yeah, I've heard. I've heard Bob Dylan's band play for it. One of my favorite stories. I don't want to tell too many stories here because we don't want to run out of time. But a couple of years ago, when the band came out, Bob Dylan and his band came out for uh, just to get the applause at the end of the show. Somebody yelled out "Freebird." Bob said, "Okay, guys." play Freebird <laughs> and they played a beautiful two or three minutes of, of, of Freebird which makes you realize how good the song is when you can get uh, any band to play it I'm not That's saying that Bob Dylan has any band it's yeah. a standard because yeah. a lot of uh, musicians from different bands that's one they know and can usually play quickly yeah I exactly. Mean, one part is uh, three chords, and the uh, three chords for the uh, the solo part. It's the, not as difficult as it sounds. Oh no, it's uh, four chords. Because you're right; it's only basically four chords, so it's not as difficult as it sounds. But the it's it's really uh, synchronizing the guitars at the end and everything, and that's that's of course not easy. Um. I love the album. I, I I was astonished at this album. I was uh, moved by it. Uh, it 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 when you hear this as not just radio songs and stuff, and you and you kind of hear this, and even Freebird, which has been played, uh, I've heard six million times, whether I've wanted to or not, the words are still moving. And unfortunately, the part that I wanted to say is that when I first heard Freebird, it doesn't mean the same after the plane crash. Freebird now stands for being free uh, like a bird because you're, you're gone. At least it does for me. I know it does for a lot of fans like... Uh, Not uh, for me. But. I'm glad. I'm glad because even though it's just as poetic, it's, it's nice to know that you're living and you can live the way you want to and be a free bird. Uh, Every time I listen to it, I can't help but thinking he's free as a bird because he's gone. But it's good when you can look at it more of, of a living thing because that's what it was meant to be. And uh, yeah, I give this, uh, without a doubt in my mind, five stars out of five. I think it's a classic album. I think it's one of the greatest debut albums I've ever listened to, without a doubt. And uh, what do you think? I really like this album. I was uh, really surprised by... Uh, well, like I say, it was tough to listen to. Because uh, the four songs, every time I uh, got to listen to them, I just would get into listening to radio mode and uh, go do other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so to hear the uh, the other four songs on the album, I uh, did have to kind of separate them. But I understand. Well, I've done that too with albums, <clears throat> where I just couldn't <clears throat> hear those songs anymore. I'm not saying you couldn't hear these songs anymore, but but you've heard them I, so many. Times. I've heard them so many times that I would just listen to the other songs, and then yeah. maybe maybe on a last listen, I would listen to everything together. Yeah, because then you could at least get a picture of what the album would have been like, you know, the person listening to it for, for the first. So time. I'm just saying, I've been there. <laughs> I know yeah. what you're speaking about. <laughs> Uh, I really like the uh, those other four songs, but I found that they weren't as strong. The first one is um, "I Ain't the One." That great was song. a great and opener. a great song to begin an album with. Great song to begin. Now you couldn't. Yeah, out of yeah, all yeah. these eight songs, you could not pick a better song to to start this to start their career with. Basically, uh, 
Um, things going on, Mississippi kid. Poison whiskey I liked. But yeah, the second side was not as strong. And I, I, I got to thinking, you know, I had a week to listen to this album. And uh, these songs are really good. But uh, they haven't really grown on me. I like listening to them every time. The, uh, the musicianship there is incredible. You know, I, can I agree with that? Is that I never not wanted to listen to this record. I was <laughs> yeah, actually looking forward to it. I was actually looking forward to listening yeah. to this album, it's even when albums. it was the fourth and fifth time. And I'm going, there's something about this record that is so addictive. The, rec the playing is so tight and so good and yet so spontaneous. And the songs are so good. And usually by the fourth or fifth time, I'm like, on any record. Yeah, I'm you like, think, okay, I've, I've, I've... And this is a week we're talking about, people. So you have to understand, we're not talking about four or five times in, in a month. We're talking about a week. And you're going like, okay, I got to give this one last... So I... One last listen so I know what it's... What my final opinion is. This time I'm going, oh, good, I get it. Let's do it again. So I can <laughs> give my final opinion. And I mean, we don't come across records like that much. No, there are some where uh, you're actually looking forward to them. A uh, bunch I'm indifferent to, and there's a few that, uh, you know, after about the third lesson, you're like, God, I got to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> there is some where you can't. You know that. There is some where you say, I got to give this one more listen, but I just can't. I just can't. Yeah. That's why, I, you know, a few times I, I had to separate it from the, the songs I was familiar with to, uh, yeah. to hear that. Uh, it got me thinking one thing about is uh, if I had had the album uh, years ago, like uh, in my formative years, and uh, I'd played it all the time, I think I would absolutely love it and it would be like one of my favorites. Right now, I really like it. I like it a lot. But can I make it? Can I make a statement which I just remembered? Um, I hate to interrupt you because I know you're kind of finalizing your thoughts here, but I would forget this if 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 I didn't bring it up. The funny thing about having so many members in a band that do everything, and is is that I, I remember like uh, I said Alan Powell before Billy Powell. I apologize. Billy Powell playing uh, piano. You never hear the piano unless it's a solo piano solo. <laughs> and I and I would swear I'm listening for the I'm listening for the piano in the background after he's playing, and you don't hear it. Now I know he's playing, but it's so low in the mix, so that you don't know it. So I swear you're listening to just guitars and bass and drums, and of course Ronnie Van Zant singing. Now it's not a criticism; it's just funny because I, I, I could not pick the piano out unless it was like Freebird and the the couple of solos he does. I was just like, "Wow, that's that's kind of a thankless job <laughs> to be the piano player in, in Leonard Skinner." Okay, so I know sometimes when uh, musicians are really tight and you know you hit notes at the same time, they sort of blend into a sound. So it might have been a bit of that, but you know what? It might have been blending in because you can't you can't be in the band and never play. You know what I yeah. mean? And you don't want to be the guy in the band that they put you down so low that you can't be heard. <laughs> <laughs> but I just found it interesting because I was desperately trying to hear Billy Powell when he wasn't soloing, and I couldn't hear him. I just couldn't hear him. But I think that's just blending in with the music very well, so that the guitar. 
drowns out the piano because they're playing basically the same type of thing. I just found it interesting in that the only time you heard him was in solos, and but I've seen them play and he always plays. So not that I actually went and saw them. Of course, I'm too young, uh, and I'm not yeah, going to go. And I'm not. I'm not going to go see the. Ref- I'm sorry. Footage. Yes, the TV footage and 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 stuff. And I, they're a great band to watch live. I forgot what I was going to say about the Ronnie Van Zant thing that was so moving. I'm, just, I'm interrupting you so many times, <laughs> but I just want to admit, I'm not. I, I I don't. I don't have any sympathy for. Uh, uh, Leonard Skinner reforming. I, I, I don't. I know his brother oh, yeah, sings, yeah. but uh, and Ronnie would probably approve. But uh, when everyone starts dying and then you just replace them, uh, I, I don't go for that. Uh, great band live. Like I, we were talking about the footage, just, 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 just something fascinating about watching Leonard Skinner live. They're they're just they're they're just like good old boys, but they take their shit seriously. I think. The yeah. Oak Ridge Boys played for decades, uh, changing members, but they were no Leonard Skinner. <laughs> they were no Leonard Skinner. Uh, what was I going to say? I was going to say something um, about those guys who did that thing. Now, now I kind of forgot because I had a couple of other things. Uh, oh, the what? The what he said? The day of the plane crash, and. I'm paraphrasing here, but I saw the movie uh, If You Leave Here Tomorrow, which is a documentary of Leonard Skinner a couple of years ago, maybe even, sorry, five, six years ago. It was a great documentary of the band. <clears throat> and they had rented, and I didn't want to talk about the plane crash because we're probably going to do another Leonard Skinner album at some point around that time, maybe even Street Survivors, and then we can talk about it. But there was something very moving and something very wise about Ronnie Van Sant all the time. And there was something to the point, and I wish I could paraphrase it, and I hope I don't get it wrong, but I think one of the girl singers said to him, who eventually died on the on the plane crash along with Ronnie that she didn't want to get on the plane. She had a bad feeling. This this thing's run down and it, you know, it's not, it doesn't look right. And he's just said, you know, if you got to go, you got to go. So you just got to get on the plane. It doesn't matter. I don't know. It's the way that you can imagine Ronnie saying, you know, when your time comes and you got to go, then what are you going to do about it? And I like the philosophical quality, but when you talk to Ronnie, you just didn't get a get on the plane type of an answer. You got more of a of a Jesus type of uh, parable, you know, where he would say something like like that, like make a statement. You know, you know, there are people like that who make a statement every time they speak. They don't just say yes or no, or just get on the fucking plane. I wish I could just say yes or no. <laughs> there are people who who have who just. It seems like every time they speak, they, they're interesting. And it's like, he could have just said, well, we got, a next, we got a gig to go to. Let's just get on the plane. Don't worry about it. And yet he goes, no, you know, if you got to go and your number's up, you got to go. <laughs> and I just, I just found that very Ronnie Van Zandt. Very yeah. Ronnie. And that why he is so thought of by not only his family, but his, his band, anybody who knew him. And it's just cool. It would be cool to have somebody like that around who always was very prophetic every time they spoke. 
I anyway. Remember, I can remember that one line, if you got to go, you got to go. Because a lot of times people ask me, uh, why don't you wear a helmet and ride a bicycle? And my response to them is, clearly you cling to life more tenaciously than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very prophetic and uh, philosophical. Not as, I'll admit. So I'm sorry to interrupt you a couple of times. I did get everything I wanted to say in. So there you go. Okay, uh, I'll just give the rating. I'm give it to, you know, it's between four and a half and five. And I thought about it. I thought, you know, if something like Led Zeppelin 4, where there's three of the songs that get played on the radio all the time, and you don't hear the other ones all that much. Uh, if you had a person who'd only knew of that album from those three songs, I, I don't know if they'd rate it as highly as someone who had the album and listened to it as frequently and uh, grew to love it uh, over the years. I think uh, to someone who had the album, this is a five-star album. To me, it's about uh, it's a four and a half. Because as good as those uh, those other four songs are, uh, they don't grab me like uh, like it's radio. It's a very songs. good statement. They're though. really good. Uh, if if you bought this album in like 1973 or 1975 yeah. or whatever as one of your first albums, you'd be playing and this you hadn't all the listened time. to it. You hadn't really listened to the radio. And you would love it. You would love this album beyond a doubt. Five stars. Yeah. But I un- totally understand what you're talking about. I do. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it, that's my personal one, uh, and that's from the point of view of only uh, getting it this week. And uh, I really, you know, love the playing on those songs, but I don't think I'm going to get attached to them too uh, as much. But it's not like I don't enjoy listening. Well, I, I respect listening to them. <laughs> Yeah, and well, but like they don't said, grab me. Like we said, it's it's one of those rare albums where you actually want to listen to it. But all over of the components for this one add up at least to four and a half stars. Like uh, that's that's my rating. That's I, that's four I and a half. To do four a and a half if you've heard the songs over and over again. Five if you probably never heard them before. Right. Yeah. And then, in other words, we love this album. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, this is an exceptional album. This it's is like, an exceptional album. This is. Uh, I think I can safely say, like I said before, one of the best debut albums I think we've ever heard. It's just, it's just phenomenal for a band to be it this good on like their first album. album. Yeah, that is our show for today. Now, next week we will have another debut album released fifty years ago in nineteen seventy-three, and Rob will tell you what he was doing fifty years ago. Which won't be very interesting because he was still a little lad. In 73, I was asking difficult questions about the Vietnam War. <laughs> <laughs> what war? Are they fighting? <laughs> My mom and dad fight all the time. It's Vietnam. like a war. Is that a country? I never heard of it before. <laughs> so you'll be hearing more stories like that next week. And... Uh, that's it. That's what uh, we have to say about this album. That's Nothing what we have to say. Next week we have a very interesting album that you may not even know the person, but it's 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 uh, interesting. I didn't. You didn't what? Don't. You didn't don't what? Know the person. Right. I didn't think you would. Uh, but it's a very interesting selection, and we will uh, de- decide whether we liked it or not. Uh it's not one of those Leonard Skinner type everybody knows them. That's all we're saying. No. Yeah. So until then, we will say to you, uh, everybody, uh, take care. And of course, stay safe.
just right or wrong. 